go to Acts 8 once again. We were there this morning. We'll go back to Acts 8. Send greetings as well from Heber Springs, Arkansas, Clearview Baptist Church. Uh, they were excited to, to find out that I was heading up here getting to see everyone. And so they send greetings your way. And uh, we sure appreciate uh, your pastor, his wife, and Heritage Baptist Church. Acts chapter 8. If you're happy that you're saved this morning, would you say amen? amen. If you're happy you're in church this morning, would you say amen? amen? All right. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad we have the Word of God. I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord called me and put me into the ministry. I was, I was born in Washington, D.C. I was a bus kid when I was six, seven years old. And from that time, uh, we got out of church. My parents got divorced. I uh, didn't get saved at that time, but uh, years later, uh, God worked in my heart, trusted Christ as my Savior, went to Bible college, and from that time, the Lord has allowed me to travel throughout the, our uh, country into different countries to serve Him, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here this morning. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing to serve God. You, you can't plan it out. You can't figure out how it's all going to work. And God will lead us step by step. God leads us geographically. And I'm glad that God has me here this morning. I'm glad that you're here. And for those of you who can this morning, would you stand to your feet as we read the Word of God here in Acts 8. Acts chapter 8. I am going to do a few different things uh, here this morning. But we'll start here in Acts chapter 8. We'll read the same verses that we read in Sunday school. Acts 8 verse 1. The Bible says this, And Saul was consenting unto his death. That's referring to the death of Stephen. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. Now, now think about that for a moment. The persecution came and now they're scattering abroad. Now they're going everywhere preaching the word of God. But they were commanded to do that much more uh, before that time. But persecution came and the persecution caused them to go and to scatter around. But they didn't just go places, they went places with the purpose of preaching the word. So he says here in verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, inhaling men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Heavenly Father, would you bless this morning? Father, I pray that you would help us and that you'd work in our midst. Father, that you would do what only you can do. Father, speak to our hearts. Open up our eyes and our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. And Father, as the church comes together to make their faith promise commitment, Father, I pray that it would be one that would be a sweet savor, a sweet smell, uh, Father, to you, that would be something that would gratify you, would be pleasing to you this morning. And Father, I pray that you bless the message, that you would help us, uh, Father, to see the need that the world has for the gospel of Jesus Christ starting here in Lawrence and going around our country and around the world with the gospel. Father, we pray that you would save lost sinners this morning. Might you be uplifted, honored, and glorified. Father, we love you this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, this morning we're going to preach about the missionary crisis. Uh, the missionary crisis. Now today in our country we hear about crisis after crisis after crisis. Crisis. We've all heard uh, on the news or maybe as we uh, look on our phone and we try to just to keep abreast of what's going on in this world and you hear about the border crisis. There's a crisis at the border and all that's going on there. And now they're talking about an inflation crisis, how prices are going up and we can see that at the gas pump and we can see that when we go to the grocery store and we go to different places, we can see that prices are, are going up while our, 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 
our, our earnings are staying the same. So there's a, a border crisis, an inflation crisis. There's a worker crisis. They're saying that this Christmas is gonna be the worst Christmas ever. Why? Because there's not enough workers. There's not enough truck drivers. There's not enough delivery people. There's not a lot of this and a lot of that and you're gonna to have to wait on products. So they say there's a, a worker crisis and a supply crisis. But church, I wanna tell you this morning, these are important issues. They are important crises, but there is no crisis greater this morning than the missionary crisis. The missionary crisis is the greatest crisis that we have, not just here in our country, but around the world. And it is a true crisis. And we're just gonna get right into the message this morning. Think with me this morning about the missionary crisis. Number one, there are few opportunities. Are you with me this morning? Few opportunities. The mission field is huge, huge. As some people would say, it's ginormous. The mission field is huge. Now listen, I'm from Washington, D.C. I'm a Redskin fan. Just wanted to get that out of the way. I am a Redskin fan. I remember the first time that I went to RFK Stadium with my dad to see a football game. And here we are, we, got, we parked in a parking lot. You got on a bus because they shuttled everybody to RFK. RFK was one of the old stadiums. There were places where we sat and it moved. That's pretty crazy. But we got on the bus and they shuttled us over to the parking lot. And I remember as a little kid and I'm looking at the parking lot and I'm thinking, this is huge. The parking lot is huge. But even as a little kid, I understood that, it had to ha that Redskins had to have a huge parking lot because everybody was a Redskin fan. And so here we are and we, we get there and, and now we're, we're walking into RFK Stadium when we get up uh, to the concourse level and I remember getting to the concourse level and you walk through, I don't remember what it's called, you walk through that, that little area there and you see the RFK Stadium for the very first time. It's not on TV, it's there. And I'm thinking to myself, this is huge. The field is huge. There's the band where they, where they play Hail to the Redskins. Man, this is great. The place was huge. You see, I had seen it on TV, but being there, being at RFK Stadium, seeing all that as a little kid, I said, wow, this is much bigger than it is on TV. Church today and today's technology often plays with our minds. It makes us think that the world is getting smaller and smaller. Uh, uh, Brother Tim Johnson, uh, amazing to see him here. I was at his church in, in, in Salem, Illinois years ago. I told him, I said, I don't recognize, don't recognize you changed. He said, you have too. <laughs> but I mean, to, to find him here, uh, there are young people here that are uh, children of folks that I went to Bible college with. And so in that sense, you see that, well, the world gets a little smaller. And, and thinking about technology, uh, keeping our, ourselves informed and keeping in contact with one another, technology has sure, sure helped with that. We learn in real time of events and crises that are happening around the world. However, church, I want to tell you this morning, when it comes to miles and kilometers, the number of countries and the number of people in the world, the opposite is true. The world is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Our mission field is bigger today than it's ever been. 
the Great Commission is becoming bigger and bigger. And obviously, we're not referring to its importance, but to the larger and larger number of people that need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not talking about one billion or two billion. We're talking many more billion people here on this earth, on planet Earth, on countries around this world that need to hear the gospel. Church, I'm telling you this morning that the mission field is huge and there's few opportunities. Have you ever Googled the earth? You look at it and it's, it's huge. Church, the mission field is enormous. Now, think about this here. Uh, the missionary Philip there, he's preaching the gospel in Samaria in the next verses we didn't read, but he goes to Samaria to preach the gospel. Now, think about the folks in Samaria and about few opportunities. Think about the older folks or the elderly there in Samaria. Time was of the essence. If they did not hear the gospel soon, then soon they would pass on into eternity without having heard of him who died for the sins to save them. There are people that live out in the, on the, uh, the countryside in Mexico. We have a fellow out of our church. That he is basically a circuit-riding preacher, and he goes out to these places. you got to cross over uh, fallen logs in, in the water. You go across uh, bridges there to get to these places where there's 70 people or 120 people, and he goes out there and he preaches the gospel. And there's folks there that are in their 80s and 90s, and they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, how many more days do they have? How many more years do they have? They have few opportunities left to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is urgent that we get missionaries to the field because the elder around the world, the elderly around the world need to hear the gospel and they need to hear it today. Think about the young people. We seem to think that young people have a lot of time, but that's not always true. Some not, never make it past 13 years. There are people that die every day. They wake up and they think, they, they, well, I'm going to do this and do this, just like the book of James says. But what is your life? It's just a vapor. You can be 16 years old, think that you, got, you know everything, you've got everything all planned out, that you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Hey, you're not guaranteed that you're going to put your head on your pillow tonight. And if you're not saved, you do not, do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Hey, this could be your last opportunity. There's few opportunities as well for young people. Think about kids. Think of the kids that would be brought up without having a Baptist church to attend and where they could learn about God. It was something that we really focused on there in Ixmiquilpan. I never, we never necessarily planned it this way. We had different ministries, but God blessed in a special way. We started working with our young people and boy, it just seemed like it started growing. We would have activities uh, on Saturday right after our, our soul winning visitation. We would have a, a teen activity and then uh, the Lord led me to have that activity on Friday night and more people came out Friday night and we were having, when we left Ixmiquilpan, we were having between 45 and 65 young people coming out for our activities. Many of them had gotten saved through the years, got into church. Some of their parents, we were able to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of them right now have studied in Bible college and some of them are even pastoring right now. The fellow that's pastoring the church that I pastored for 13 years, he was my, my Timothy in the faith. He is pastoring the work, but someone was saved and baptized and trained and discipled there in our ministry and he's going on. Hey, we need to reach the kids. You know, how he came to church? He came to church because of VBS. VBS! 
And, and he came to church and he, and he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, there's so many things that, that we did. We had kids day and VBS and Bible clubs. We would go out into the different neighborhoods and, and just take the seats out of our van and set them up and put a... I can't think of what the word is. It's a lona. Uh, we would put it up over the seats and we'd just go knock on doors, invite people to come out. and We'd have a little Bible club right there and the parents would come and bring their kids and we saw kids saved that way. We would have camps and done so many things and God has given us so much fruit from that. But listen, there are few opportunities for the elderly, for young folks and for kids today because none of us know if we're gonna be here tomorrow. So listen, folks, as we fill out this, this this morning, as we fill this out, we need to realize that the missionary they need to get to the field and they need to get to the field now because there are people that have few opportunities to hear the gospel. Think about how many times that someone has tried to witness to you before you were saved. How many times did someone come to your house and knock on your door and say, hey, my name's Bill. I'm from Clearview Baptist Church. We're out in the, in the neighborhood this morning inviting folks out to church. Do you go to church anywhere? Oh, okay, well, hey, let me, let me ask you a question real quick. How many of you have had someone do that to you? Would you raise your hand? Okay. How many of you never had someone do that to you? Would, would you just kind of look around? That's, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I was preaching in a missions conference and <clears throat> got to talking with some fellows at the, the table. And this fellow said to me, he said, you know, he said, no one ever came to my house and knocked on my door. He said, I had to go to Vietnam to get saved. And I thought about that. Few opportunities. When there are missionaries that are ready and willing and prepared to go to the people that have few opportunities to hear the gospel. Years ago, it was very uh, common that churches would have a, a map on the wall. I don't know if you remember those where they would put the little lights on them. And I remember walking into some of those churches and as you looked at the map, you're like, wow, this is a mission-minded church. They, there's a lot, of, a lot of lights there. But if you continue to look at the map, your perspective changes. Because you may see 80 lights on there, but the more that you look at that map with the 80 lights, you see place after place after place after place after place where there is no light. And the folks that live there have few opportunities. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we were getting ready to go to Colombia and we were getting our paperwork done, there was a, a Peruvian woman that she uh, was helping us out with our paperwork and I was talking to her on the phone and she, you know how when someone just, they kind of want to ask a question, you can tell they're trying to ask a question but they're a little bit nervous about asking it. Well, she finally got the question out and she said, uh, she said, uh, you, you don't like your country, do you? And I said, why would you say that? Well, why would you leave your country to go to Colombia? And that gave me the opportunity to tell her it's because there are people in Colombia that have few opportunities to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they need to hear the gospel. There's a missionary crisis because there's few opportunities. I have visited and preached and, and served the Lord in different countries, in, in Colombia and Argentina, also in Chile. We helped uh, start a work there, and, and also in Canada. I've been to 47 of the 50 states. 
And I'm still amazed at the number of cities, both large and small, that have little gospel witness. We lived in uh, Comodoro Rivadavia in, a, in the, the southern part of Argentina, and it's way down south. As I said uh, last night, it is so far down south that for us, the uh, Australians are Yankees. Uh, the days are the summer. Summer is great because the days are long. Wintertime's awful. It's, it's dark in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. It's just starting to get light, and by 5 o'clock, it's dark. But uh, living in that area there in Comodoro and, and the way that, that people were. And I, we, I took a trip from Comodoro to another city. And I went past city after city after city where there was no independent Baptist. There was no one further south than we were in the country. And if you know anything about Argentina, it is, it's a long country. You could still go much further south and there's no one there. There was one missionary in a city just north of us, about three hours north of us, only one. He's no longer there. There's only one in the southern part of Argentina. What about all those other cities? States, entire states that do not have a church like we do. Few opportunities. Let me mention something else this morning. Something about the, the laborers. The laborers are few as well. You say, why would the laborers be few? There's many reasons for that. Turn over to Matthew 9. Matthew 9. Matthew 9. I'm going to be a little shotgun this morning, but here in, in Matthew chapter 9, few people... come to our doors to preach the gospel to us. So imagine what it's like in another country that doesn't have as many churches that we have. Years ago when we were in, in, we were in central Argentina at this time, there was a, a woman named Pearl. If you turn into Matthew 9, we'll get there in just a minute. This woman named Pearl, uh, some folks in the church said, hey, there's a woman named Pearl and she's, she's sick, she's in the hospital. Pastor, could you go and visit her? So I went to the hospital, and it's interesting in Argentina because if you just act like you know what you're doing, I mean, so I just, you know, and the way I dressed, I just walked right in there like, because you're supposed to go certain visiting hours, and I just walked right in. I knew the room as she was in. I was outside, knocked on the door. I was able to go in uh, to her room and talk to her for a little bit. Now, Pearl, she wasn't saved, and I was able to go through the gospel with her. And just when it got to the point where, okay, you're drawing the net, something had happened and Pearl uh, rang for the nurse and she asked me if I could step out. Well, I stepped out and there was a situation in the room. I couldn't go back, so I had to leave. And I was thinking, man, she was, she was right there, just ready to get saved. And so I, I went home. I had asked, uh, you know, about Pearl. And they said, oh, this was about a week later. Said she, they sent her home. So I said, okay, where does she live? So I went over to Pearl's house. Now, it's very common in, in Latin America for some folks to have a store in their home. I mean, they have a little a kiosco or a, or a tienda in their home where they sell sodas and chips and, and all those kind of things. So I, I went into her home, and I'm sitting there at the table, and we're, we're, I got the Bible open, and I'm starting to witness to her again. And next thing you know, ching, ching, ching. The little bell's ringing. Someone is coming to the store. She says, I'll be right back. She goes over there. And this went on and on. And I was like, Father, please, please stop people from coming into the store. 
And sure enough, it just stopped and she was there and I was able to talk to Pearl and Pearl sweetly bowed her head and she trusted Christ as her savior. And I was so excited. I, I walked out of there and I was like, praise God, she got saved. And Pearl didn't show up at church, didn't show up at church again. I'm asking, hey, what, what's up with Pearl? And so I went over to Pearl's house, knocked on her door, nobody answered. Finally got a hold of someone that, 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 that knew what was going on, said she's back in the hospital. Pearl had gone back into the hospital and she passed away. Oh, wow. Just so close to stepping off in, into eternity. She didn't realize that that time they're sitting there at her table, that was the last opportunity that she had. But listen, that is repeated around our world today because there's few opportunities which also leads to the fact that there are few workers. Here in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, these are very familiar verses. Matthew 9, 37. The Bible says here, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And it's true today. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. In a, in a sense, every Christian is a missionary. And what I mean by that is that the Great Commission is not a pastoral commission. It is for everyone, for everybody. We are all to be involved in preaching the gospel to every creature. Now, if it's true this morning that there are few opportunities to hear the, the gospel, then it is a very dire situation when we think that there are few laborers, there are few workers. So if people have few opportunities and you only have a few that are going out and giving the gospel, then we can see that the plight of the lost, it's a dire situation because they need to hear the gospel. In most churches in America, there is a labor shortage. The workers are almost always outnumbered. In many churches, there are some requirements for workers, and this in many ways is helpful. I'm thankful for churches that have requirements for their workers. Amen. Come on now. Amen. It, it, it is very important for the church, for the testimony of the church, and so that everything is done decently in order. But it's very helpful to have these requirements. It's to encourage folks to have a higher standard. It's to protect the church. It's to be able to do things decently in order. And it's to glorify the Lord. Many a church could put in their Sunday bulletins a help wanted sign. Amen? Amen. Help wanted. There's always a Sunday school class that, that needs a teacher, that needs a substitute teacher. There's always a bus route that needs another worker, that needs a, a bus driver, that needs a backup captain or a substitute captain, whatever it may be, substitute driver. There is much help needed, but little desire on the part of many to meet the basic requirements for workers. Now, if this is the situation here in the land of plenty, imagine what it is like in other countries. I have seen firsthand so many things over the years. If many don't want to labor for the Lord here in America, then who would want to go to Samaria? And that's, that's one of the things that's kind of frightening today. Let me, let me, let me just talk. I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm kind of direct. But let, me, let me just talk and say some things this morning. We are, we are so used to being comfortable yes, We really are. And why we can be comfortable? Hey, hey let, let's be comfortable. We can be comfortable, but let's not get comfortable about the situation of the lost. 
If we are here in the land of plenty and there are few workers, then who would want to go to Samaria? Who would want to go to Mongolia? Where are the young people today that would rise up and say, hey, God's touched my heart from the Mongolian people. Hey, I want to go to Mongolia to preach the gospel. Where are the, the young people today or others that would say, hey, God has called me to go to Ethiopia. Who wants to go to Ethiopia? Where are the folks that will go to Ethiopia today? Is there not a need for the gospel of Jesus Christ in Ethiopia? But the laborers are few. Where are the folks that will want to go to Morocco? Where are the folks that will want to go to Colombia? They say, well, it's a dangerous place. And it is. But being in the center of God's will is the best place for anyone to be. In Argentina... Pastor, they say this about Argentina too. It's a missionary graveyard. Argentina is a very, very difficult, difficult field. Who would want to go to give up all that we have in America to go to these countries? Listen, there is a shortage of workers. There is a shortage of laborers. And that is causing a missionary crisis because we do not see the need. We are not seeing this world through the eyes of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The why of the few labors. Number one, many missionaries have graduated. They have laid their armor down for the last time and now they are with the Lord. I think years ago when some of those, we used to call them old timers and we mean that respectfully, but the old timers that were there, they were the pioneers when we went to Colombia, when we went to Argentina and Mexico, we knew how to do all the paperwork and we knew the different people that you had to deal with. Why? Because the pioneers that went out there and they had to learn the hard way and they didn't know the language, but they went because God had called them and they knew that people had few opportunities, that there were few, a few laborers, but they wanted to be one of them and they were there and they paved the way for other guys like us to come by but many of them have graduated. They're no longer with us. They're no longer on the mission field. And when they left, they left a hole. There are few labors because many have gone home to be with the Lord. They have graduated. And then there are others who are older now and have health issues that hinder them from continuing to do what they've been doing. I'm thankful for, I know some missionaries that are on the field and they're up in age and their health is just not the same as it was before and their ability to do what they used to do, it's not there, but they still have that desire and just their presence and their knowledge there, it is such a blessing to other missionaries. And by the way, this is not in the notes, but you know what? We ought to be thankful for the ones, the pastors and missionaries that have gone before us because they are such a blessing to us because we can learn from them and we can still learn from them today we think we got because we got technology that we got it all figured out we're younger we know oh we can do it I know how to do it I know how to do it and we just kind of put these guys over on the shelf this is something that we do and God forgive us for doing that they have so much to offer still God still has them here and it's just we need to humble ourselves to listen There are others who are older now and have health issues that hinder them from continuing the work. Then there are others that have returned to America. Some have returned because of the will of God. 
Others have returned because they couldn't adapt to different cultures, to different languages. We mentioned that last night. It is a real thing, another, learning another culture, learning another uh, language. Some were never called. They responded to an emotional appeal. You know, missions conference time, and you hear that there's the need, there's the need, and, and someone, okay. They, they respond, but when they get out there and they get to the field, and, wait a minute, how far away am I from home? What am I doing here? I've got to learn another language. The welcoming committee wasn't at the airport to welcome me. When you're walking down the street and someone sees you and they purposely cross the street to go walk on the other side of the street so that they don't have to cross you, they don't have to, uh, to talk to you, they don't have to see you. Hey, no, no, I, I'm going back to America. Some were never called. They respond to an emotional appeal. Some love this present world more than God and the souls for whom he died. Others returned due to spiritual problems, marital problems, family problems, and some due to personal problems. As we said last night, let's pray for the missionaries. They are soldiers of Christ on the front lines going toe-to-toe -to -toe with satanic forces and the devil and all his, his, his servants. They are going to do everything they can to put pressure on that missionary to get that missionary to fall. If he can't get the missionary, he's going to try to get the missionary wife. If he can't get the missionary wife, he's going to try to get one of the missionary kids. He's going to do everything he can to stop the missionary because there are people around the world that have few opportunities and there's few laborers and he wants to get the few that are there out. I wonder if some would have stayed on the field if their supporting churches would have held the ropes of prayer. So much going on. During our years as a missionary, we saw more leave the field than come to the field. I don't know if you know uh, Brother Stensis, Byron Stensis. He was a missionary in Africa for many years. I, I heard him say uh, they were on the field for 24 years and there was 28 missionaries that came and went. Think about that. Few laborers. Now we've seen more leave the field when we were on the field than come to the field. Some have had to leave because of the chaos and danger uh, where they served. The world has become a more and more hostile place to the gospel of Christ. And listen, it has become more and more hostile place to those that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians 3. 2 Thessalonians 3. You'll find it right after 1 Thessalonians that was for the Bible college students, amen? 2 Thessalonians 3. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians 3.1, the Bible says this, Finally, brethren, pray for us. Here's the missionary asking for prayer. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Few opportunities and few labors. Are we praying every day? Father, send forth laborers out into the harvest. Father, would you have me go? Here am I, send me. Father, I'm willing. There's few laborers. We need to pray 
for the missionaries. And then there are some that are not answering the call. They do not respond with a, here am I, send me. As you, we, read, uh, we read in Isaiah chapter six, when, when Isaiah is there, he said, Lord, who shall go? So hey, wait, hey, here am I, send me. I'm a willing vessel. If you want me to go, hey, I'll go. Just show me. But we never come to that place because we become so comfortable. And listen, listen, there is a world that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are people that have few opportunities and there are few workers would we consider being one of them. And if God hasn't called us to go, he has called us to give. So we can give so they can go. So the missionary crisis has to do with few opportunities, has to do with few labors, and thirdly this morning, turn over to 2 Corinthians 9, has to do with few offerings. 2 Corinthians 9. Second Corinthians 9. The Bible says here, for as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. Here the Bible's talking about this offering. And we like to call this offering a, a faith promise offering. Now, as I deal with the offering this morning, I want to mention this. There, there is first thing we want, we want to, it's a lack of commitment. When it, it, is, it is very easy for us to fill this out without making a commitment. Amen. There's no name on there. No one's ever going to know. It's going to be between you and God. God knows. But see, no one else will come to you. So we, when we think that, okay, this, this is anonymous, and because it's anonymous, if things get tight and things get tough, then I don't have to get it. Listen, give it. Listen, that was a commitment that you made between you and God. But there's a lack of commitment. Don't follow your emotions or your feelings. They're unstable. But the word of God is like the rock of Gibraltar. The waves continue beating against it, but it never moves. It never succumbs to the force or pressure of the waves. Listen, the word of God stands. Allow God to use the word of God to speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit of God as well. Speak into your heart so that you know exactly what he would have you to give. Don't follow your emotions or your feelings. The faith promise, faith promise commitment of each one should be based on, an un, on the unchanging word of God. Commit yourselves to the Lord and his word and then fulfill your commitment. Years ago, at my church, the church I got saved in, they didn't do faith promise missions giving for, for quite some time. The pastor was concerned that if they did that, that the tithes and offerings would go down. And many people tried to talk to him and explain to him that, hey, that's not the case, that when you do faith promise, it's actually the, the, the opposite. Tithes and offerings go up as well as having a faith promise offering. What we did was uh, we had a missions emphasis Sunday. One Sunday a month, they would pass out uh, little envelopes for our mission offering. Folks, you know how many times I went to church and I forgot about that offering and I wasn't prepared? You know how many bookmarkers that I had that were missionary offering envelopes? There was no commitment. 
you, you, I wasn't prepared, didn't, didn't bring the money with me, so I, I just, okay, there it is in my Bible. And so, hey, put your finger right here. No, I've got one. Oh. <laughs> Commit yourselves to the Lord and his word and then fulfill your commitment. The lack of commitment is seen in the way many treat their faith promise offering. They kind of halfway give. If they don't remember to give it or if they don't have the money on them, then they don't give it. And this causes the missionary and his family to be affected. And this in turn affects the work of God. It affects missions. Uh, over the years, I have received uh, letters from missionaries and as a pastor as well. And missionaries are, are writing in the letters. We were, uh, there was one that was communicating with us. We didn't support him, but he was in Spain. And there was a, a devaluation, let's say, of the, of the Mexican peso. And his money was like cut in half. Think about that. From one day to the next, your money is cut in half. And when people are not committed to their giving, and so they would write in their letters, hey, we, we would like to do more, but, but we just can't. My pastor used to say years ago that money is a necessary evil. The work of mission requires money, regular offerings, faith promise offerings. It requires us to get our offering from God, to ask God to show us what he would have us to give and to give through us and then for us to faithfully give it whether we know where it's coming from or not. A commitment to the faith promise offering. I, uh, I have a, a few of these right here. These are the offering envelopes that we would use in our church in Ixmiquilpan. We didn't have any printed up. We would just get the coin envelopes and we would have them right on there, their tithe, uh, and then their missions. We would allow them to use one uh, right here. And no one used checks. It's all, it's all pesos. But here is one that it was, I found in the offering plate and I kept it. I have a couple of these, but this is one. It says, uh, uh, your mission offering, uh, your, when you're behind, what is it called? You're, you're late. You, it's overdue. Okay. I, let me just, I, I, should have, I should have figured the word. Every once in a while I get like this because I'm, I, I'm seeing in Spanish and the words in, here in Spanish and I just can't figure the word, out, for the word out in English. And then when I try to ask you guys, you're like, exactly. It was her missionary offering that she owed from months before. And it says on here, the, her missionary offering from months before, 600 pesos, and she just put her initials on there. I, I know who it is. But you see, here, here's a person. I look at this person right here, and I look at it as a person that's committed. And I, I, I went to her one time because she did it again, and she said, Pastor, I'm so sorry that, I, that I'm behind on this. And I said, you know what? I, I said, I, I, I am too. But listen, I am so thankful that you made that commitment and you did not give it in the timely manner, but you knew that you had that commitment to God and that you were going to get that money and you were going to put in that in there and you were going to put it in the offering plate. Folks, that's the kind of commitment that we have. We don't want, we don't want to have this one where, oh, I missed it this month. Okay. Oh, I missed it this week. Okay, it's not okay. There are few opportunities. There are few workers and there are few offerings. God takes our offering and he multiplies it and he uses it. There's also the few offerings because of a lack of understanding the Great Commission. 
learning an, a, another language. I'm going to give you an example of this by, by what happened with learning another language. How many of you, uh, when you go to the store, you check the expiration date on things? That's a pretty good response. Okay. You check the expiration date. Now, in, in Spanish, there's a word expirar, which kind of sounds like expiration. Okay, expirar would be the verb, but expirar, basically in Spanish, it would mean this. It means that someone expired like when someone dies. Okay, so they have a different word when they're talking about something, some kind of product has expired. It's caducar. And this means that something has expired, that it's no longer good. You look at the milk, oh no, ya caducó. It's no good. It's already past the date. How many know of an H-E-B? Okay, H-E-B is a grocery store. H-E-B used to have what they called a fresh or free. You could go into an H-E-B, and there were people that did this. I mean, they, this is what they did. They would go to an H-E-B because anything you found on the shelf that was expired, you would get that same product, but one that wasn't expired. Sounds like a deal. And so they're actually getting people to do their job because they're, they're going down there looking at the aisle. Hey, that ham right there. Oh, it expired yesterday. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> it expired. It expired. It's no good. So they, they, they get a good one, but it was fresher free. Products have expiration dates. And this is where the lack of understanding about the Great Commission comes in. The Great Commission never expires. The Great Commission was enforced before I was born. It's been enforced all my life. And if the Lord were to take me home today, the Great Commission would still be enforced because it'll never expire, never expire, never expire. So we need to have those offerings. We need to have those workers because people have few opportunities. This is a missionary crisis. And then there's a lack of courage. Because of a lack of understanding the Great Commission and lack of courage, of priorities, the faith promise offerings are neglected. Is it, 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 it is not reaching your Jerusalem and then the world, nor is it reaching the world and neglecting your Jerusalem. Acts 1.8 makes it very clear with that word both. We are to evangelize and to reach the lost right here. At the same time, we're to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I have a twin brother, but I, I've never been cloned. I can't clone myself and be here in Lawrence and be in Heber Springs and be in Ixmiquilpan and be in Comodoro and be in Altagracia and be in Pereira and all these other places that, I, that I've been. I can't do that. But you know what I can do? I can give that missions offering. I can give my faith promise offering and God can take that and use that to send others with the gospel of Jesus Christ to help with this missionary crisis. I can do my part where I am and I can help others do their part where God sends them the missionary crisis. And there's a lack of vision, both locally and for the world. Years ago, we were uh, visiting a church, and Brother Johnson, this church happened to be in Illinois as well. And this church, th this was their philosophy. They were building a, the church build, a church building, and their philosophy that they were going to focus everything on building that church, the, the actual building. They weren't going to support missionaries or anything until they got the building all taken care of. The church no longer exists. The building's there. I believe a bank has it now. Folks, we have to be concerned about what's going on here and around the world. Because when we're not, 
there's a missionary a crisis. Philip was a missionary to Samaria for a time. He was just one laborer. But God used him to reach souls for him. And just as in that day, Samaria had few opportunities, had few workers and few offerings. There are places like this all around the world. Let me, I, I, let me mention or tell you a story. Uh, I've learned some things being here this week, some of the things that, that, that you all have done during this uh, conference. Uh, I want to take them, I want to go back to, to my church and implement them. Getting more people involved in missionaries, getting to know the missionaries. Know some things about the missionaries. I would have never guessed that Brother Painter was a police officer, the sheriff's department. He's big enough. <laughs> but I, I, would have, I didn't know that. Heath Candy Bar. Who was a Heath Candy Bar? I'm looking right at her. <laughs> but those things, it, it, but those are neat things. Say, say they go away, the Lord tarries, they go away for four years, and then they come back, and she come, they come back into the church right here, and somebody's got a basket of Heath Candy Bars, if you can find them for her. Yeah. I, I guarantee you that would bless her heart. You say, why? They're just candy bars. Yes, but it means that someone cared enough to know what she liked and cared enough to go get it. Yes. We were at a church in California. Now, this pastor was crazy. He was young, a, young, a young pastor, but he was crazy. I should have known when he picked us up in a Jeep. It was, <laughs> I mean, an old Jeep. And so we were with the pastor, talking, good guy. And he decided he was going to do something. And he was one of those guys, he didn't plan it out. It's just like, okay, this came to his mind, so he was going to make it happen in that missions conference. That's not me. So there were, we, were, uh, we were in Argentina at that time. There was a missionary uh, going to Russia. He had already studied Russian. He could speak Russian. There was a missionary going to Japan. He knew uh, some Japanese because he was stationed in Okinawa, and he married a Japanese woman, so he knew some Japanese. There was a fellow going to the military, so, and there were some other ones as well, but th these four missionaries, he decided to do something with us. This is what he did. He, he had this idea. He said, we're going to do this. We're going to film it, and then we're going to show it to our church Sunday night, the Sunday night of the conference. It's like, okay. And the bad thing was that we were there for the first two nights of the conference, and then we went to an, another church, and the folks were at the other church, they went to this church. Okay, we, they kind of swapped the missionaries. But here's what he did. He had a bus, and he had, for example, the Russian missionary is on the bus. Over here had a man dressed in Russian garb, so he's standing here in his Russian garb, and the missionary, he gets off the bus and he walks over to him and he gets up to him and he stands there and he begins to, to, to say John 3.16 in Russian. It's like, wow, and they're filming this. And it goes on. The Japanese, the missionary to Japan, he, he comes out and there's the Japanese person over there and he goes over to the Japanese person and he says John 3.16 in Japanese. And this was good. It's like, wow. How many of you ever heard Jap uh, John 3.16 in, in, in Japanese? It's like, wow. So then I, I, I get off the bus and I come over and there's a Spanish person over there and porque de tal manera amó Dios al mundo que ha dado a su hijo unigénito para que todo aquel que en él cree no se pierda mas tenga vida eterna Juan 3:16 and so you did that well he, he he filmed all of this 
But then he had a, another missionary. I don't remember what, to, what country, but this, uh, excuse me, it wasn't another missionary here. He had a person from another country here, but the bus pulls up and no one gets off the bus. And so the church, they're excited because they're ready to hear John 3.16 in another language and they see the person that's just there waiting, just like everybody else. They're waiting and, and the bus doors open and nobody gets out and you're like, Somebody tell them to get out of the bus. There was no one in the bus. And I wasn't there that night, but they, they, they said that there was not a dry eye in the sanctuary and people were, wait a minute, wait a minute. But what about that person? The, the, the Russian got to hear it. The Argentine got to hear it. Uh, the Japanese person got to hear it. Hey, what about that person? Don't they deserve to hear the gospel? Few opportunities. Few laborers, few workers, and few offerings. We don't want another bus to pull up without a worker. Let's do our part. Father, would you bless? Would you help us? Father, would you help us to see what, what you see? Father, work in our hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, would you stand to your feet real quick this morning? Every head bowed and every eye closed.